razors, a complete visual history of heavy metal mayhem by Alex Rosenberg and Christopher Crowbeton. This book is dedicated to the Birmingham sheet metal machine that ripped off two of Tony Iommi's fingers. Thanks for everything. Chapter 5 Death Metal and Grindcore What is it? Monsters banging pots and pans together. Who listens to it? People who watch slasher movies and root for the killer. Where does it come from? All over. Bastard children, melodic death metal, blackened death metal, progressive death metal, technical death metal or tech death, blackened progressive melodic technical death metal, death and roll, gore grind, electro grind, cyber grind, porno grind, power violence, and slam metal. The big four, death, napalm death, carcass, and cannibal corpse. In the 80s, some teenagers who loved thrash and or hardcore punk decided to see just how far they could push those two forms of music. The answer, it turned out, was very, very far. Possessed's 1985 debut, Seven Churches, is considered to be the first ever death metal album with the group's vocalist and bassist Jeff Becerra credited with creating the term death metal itself. The San Francisco Quartet sounds as though it was largely inspired by a new wave of British heavy metal or new album and thrash bands, so long as those band's members were on speed when they wrote the music and walking over hot poles when they recorded it. Kronos from Venom had taken growling and metal vocals to new heights, but you could still understand what he was saying. Becerra sounds as though he'd been gargling with broken glass and battery acid. Seven Churches definitely got the death metal flaming car lined with explosives rolling, but it was really Florida's creativity, creatively named Death that detonated the movement in earnest. The importance of death, led by guitarist and vocalist Chuck Schuldiner, to the history of death metal cannot be overstated. The band's 1987 debut, Scream Bloody Gore, has many of the same characteristics as Seven Churches, guitars as sharp as any serrated blade, drums like cherry bombs going off inside your ears, leads so fast they leave flaming trail marks behind them and vocals that sound like an overweight vampire howling as it's slowly fed into a meat grinder. But Scream Bloody Gore has two major advantages over Possessed Album, Shouldener and Incredible Cover Art by Ed Repka. Shouldener established himself as both a guitar god and a master composer from the get-go. Other early death metal bands wrote songs that were mostly Pladius they were speedy, but they never actually got anywhere. Schuldiner understood the inherent impact structure could provide. His songs had peaks and valleys, built and released tension. As the years progressed, Schuldiner added more progressive and technical elements to Death Sound. 
The band's songs became increasingly esoteric, full of rhythms that constantly shift and precise, discordant guitar solos. The second half of Death's discography sounds like death metal that has studied and implemented jazz theory. While bands like Propulsion, whose members Matt Olibo and Scott Carlson briefly flirted with joining Death, bludgeoned the listener, Death's attack was far more surgical. Consequently, Death was the key inspiration for the subgenres of technical and progressive death metal, performed by acts such as Gorguts, Atheist, Nile, Obscura, Origin, Necrophagist, and The Faceless. Tech death and prog death bands basically make a death metal that also goes to great pains to show off the members' proficiency with their instruments. Like Latter-day Death, their lyrics also sometimes concern matters other than humans meeting their horrible ends, including philosophy, spirituality, and of course aliens. Schuldiner would remain Death's only consistent member throughout its existence, but a substantial portion of the supporting characters who played with Death for a time almost went on to become revered musicians in their own right, if they weren't already when they joined the band. They include Chris Reifert from Autopsy, Paul Masvidal and Sean Reinert from Cynic, Gene Hoagland, Dark Angel, Strapping Young Lad, Death Clock, Testament, and many others. Steve DiGiorgio from Testament. Richard Christie, Ice Earth. Andy LaRocque, King Diamond. And Terry Butler from Six Feet Under in Obituary. So many gifted artists were all a part of death at one time or another. It is a testament to both Schuldiner's eye for talent and his status within the metal community. Following the release of The Sound of Perseverance, Schuldiner shifted his attention to a new band, Control Denied, a prog metal project with a nary a death metal growl in sight. The band released its first and only album, The Fragile Art of Existence, in 1999. Schuldiner was working on a second Control Denied album when he passed away in 2001 from brain cancer. He remains one of metal's most influential and beloved figures to this day. Fighting to this day! To this day! To this day! Death's emergence in the late 80s paved the way for Florida's entire death metal scene. While one might assume the Sunshine Shine State became such an epicenter for death metal because musicians felt inspired by the swampy weather, overabundance of senior citizens living out their final days, and the unearthly horror that is Disney World, the reason was in fact far simpler. Everybody wanted to record at Morrison, recalls Paul Mazurkiewicz, drummer for the legendary death metal band Cannibal Corpse. Located in Tampa, Morris Sound Recording and its team of Jim Morris, Tom Morris, and especially Scott Burns are nearly as famous as the musicians with whom they work. Scott was awesome, says Cannibal Corpse bassist Alex Webster. As a producer, he was very focused on making sure we were locked in 
and playing tightly as a band. He heard things in our performances that needed improvement that we would have missed. We became a better band each time we were recorded with him. How many death metal bands came to Tampa to work there? Mazurka was asked rhetorically. They recorded with Death and Obituary and Deicide and Morbid Angel and some huge names in the death metal genre. Obituary sound was more like a flail than a chainsaw. Weighty, cumbersome, spinning, and lethal. Deicide was fronted by Glenn Benton, an outspoken lightning rod for controversy, whose list of accomplishments includes branding an inverted cross on his forehead and declaring that he would die at the age 33, as Christ did when Benton's 33rd birthday came and went without his demise. Some accused him of being a poser. And Morbid Angel's vibe was pure Lovecraft. Its song titles, album titles, album artwork, and logo design all invoked in nefarious religion's devious rituals. The band's lyrics even contained outright references to Lovecraft. Up north, New York State birthed its un own unholy trinity of death metal bands. Suffocation from Long Island, Immolation from Yonkers, and Buffalo's aforementioned Cannibal Corpse, who went out to become arguably the most successful death metal band of all time. It's hard for me to remember when I first heard death metal used to describe a type of music, says Berserkowitz. In the extreme thrash metal scene, the landscape was changing every few months and we were living, growing with it. So we felt we were riding a wave of something new. We felt we were at the forefront of the emergence of this crazy kind of new music. It was definitely an exciting time, adds Webster. A lot of bands that had only been known in the tape trading fanzine underground were getting signed to well-established independent metal labels. Then the bigger bands like Morbid Angel and Death started getting tour offers in Europe. Prior to that, I think Possessed was the only American death metal band that had toured Europe. It was clear something was going on, and we were excited to be part of it. In addition to making absolutely punishing music, Cannibal Corpse wrote the lyrical equivalent of nauseatingly explicit horror movies screaming about genital laceration and brain turned to soup. And that was just one song, Rotten Head. Unsurprisingly, Cannibal Corpse has been the subject of some controversy over the years. Condemned by conservative politicians like Bob Dole and banned in several countries. The band owes this honor not just to its lyrics, but also to artist Vincent Locke, who creates all of its album art and many of its merchandise designs. Locke's work is a perfect visual corollary to Cannibal Corpse's lyrics. For example, his cover for the group's 1992 album Tomb of the Mutilated depicts a female body that's been split down the middle, receiving oral sex from the upper half of a zombie. Anti-cannibal corpse authorities are badly misguided there. As is the case with many slasher film franchises, the violence cannibal corpse portrays is so severe as to be absurd, like slapstick to the upteenth of degree. 
We view what we do as horror entertainment, just like horror movies and novels, says Webster. Death metal is a form of horror music. Just as horror filmmakers and novelists would not want to promote violence, neither do we. One person who definitely understood Cannibal Corpse's work was a young Jim Carrey. The movie that launched Carrey's career, 1994's Ace Ventura Pet Detective, includes an infamous scene where the band performs its song Hammer Smash Face. Carrey personally went to great lengths to get the band into the movie, rearranging the shooting schedule to accommodate them. Carrey told us he owned some of our albums, Webster recalls. And though when he first heard our music, he thought it was extreme to the point of being ridiculous, it had actually grown on him. Carrie apparently even requested the specific song he wanted the band to play. Despite their image, Cannibal Corpse's members are pussycats. Take for example, second vocalist George Corpse Grinder Fisher, who replaced Chris Barnes in 1995. On stage, the iconic inhumanly thick-necked frontman does everything possible to earn his nickname, taunting the crowd when he feels it's not showing enough energy and headbanging with such intensity you'd think he was actively trying to detach his head from his body. But in real life, Fisher is a happily married family man who spends his free time dorking out over video games and RPGs. Unlike its cousin Black Metal, Death Metal doesn't spawn many actual murderers. In any case, Mazurkowitz believes the band gets the last laugh. I think it's all ridiculous, the drummer says about the uproar. We do our thing, we've been doing it for 28 years, so these are minor speed bumps or roadblocks. But at the end of the day, people are talking about the band, and that's a good thing. Any publicity is good publicity. Actually, I'm in like five bands right now, but Godscock is basically the same four guys as Fighthead. Fighthead's more of like a thrash skate punk type thing, whereas Godscock is more like melodic grindcore. So it's five bands, but it's four groups of guys. Hey, my band's playing on Friday. You check this out. It's pronounced Godscock. What kind of music you listen to? Rock? Yeah, yeah, you'll like this. Ladies are free, so bring some chicks, okay? Meanwhile, across the pond, in 1981, adolescent Brits Nick Bolin, Miles Rat Ratledge, and Justin Broderick united over a love of hardcore bands like Discharge and Siege. They weren't proficient musicians, but they didn't need to be for their purposes. If hardcore was punk on steroids, these kids were playing punk on steroids and painkillers and speed. The trio christened its band name Napalm Death and created the form of extreme music that came to be known as Grindcore. Grind, as it's more simply referred to, offers the most extreme extremities available. It is the fastest, loudest, heaviest, craziest, most discordant, and often shortest form of music. Grind songs often last less than a minute, and any release featuring fewer than 20 songs yet lasting longer than half an hour might as well be a double album. 
Grindcore values grit, passion, authenticity, arguably even more than other forms of extreme music. Performances don't have to be perfect, albums don't have to sound top-notch, and the best shows take place in a fire-trapped squat in the middle of the day. Pig Destroyer, arguably the finest grind band in the world today, may have created the ultimate grindcore mission statement with Jennifer, the opening spoken word track from its debut full-length, Prowler in the Yard from 2001. Recited by a cold, computerized voice, Jennifer tells the story of two girls wrestling lavishly in front of a public crowd. The onlookers confused or concerned or shocked or aroused or all of the above. When a woman watching the scene while eating ice cream declares, This is disgusting. It's pornography. A balding professor type in his mid-forties, his left hand stuffed crassly down the front of his pants, counters with no, no, no. This is beautiful. This is art. Is grindcore art? Or is it shocking just for the sake of being shocking? This tension is the engine that powers grind. If you hear it and you're confused, that's because you're supposed to be. And if you don't get it, then it's not for you anyway. Napalm Death's music only became more extreme with the addition of drummer Mick Harris, who replaced Ratledge in 1985. Harris threw rhythm and nuance out the window altogether and concentrated on playing as fast as was humanly possible on his snare, bass drum, and cymbals simultaneously. The result came to be known as a blast beat, which has become a staple of extreme music. Harris is also credited with creating the term grindcore. In 1987, Napalm Death released its debut full-length Scum on paper. Scum sounds completely ridiculous, but in your speakers, Scum sounds like an authentic burst of rage spat forth from the fringes of working-class youth in Margaret Thatcher's UK. Scum is just as raw and relevant today as it was 30 years ago. It is notable not just for being the first proper grindcore album, but for ensuring grindcore, like hardcore, will never abandon its punk ideals. Scum's lyrics and cover art are both overtly political, its songs are sometimes anarchistic simply for the sake of being anarchistic, one track, You Suffer, is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's shortest song, somehow squeezing the phrase, You Suffer But Why?, into slightly more than a single second, and its DIY roots are on full display. To wit, Harris is infamously the only musician to play on the entire album, with the rest of the band's lineup changing from side A to side B of the record. Side A, recorded in 1986, was originally intended to be half of a split with another band and only cost £50 to produce. But by 1987, Bolin and Broderick had both departed, and Scum's Side B was recorded with their replacements, Bill Steer, guitars, and Jim Whitley, bass, and Lee Dorian, vocals, who would go on to front legendary doom band Cathedral. 
Napalm Death would continue to undergo lineup changes until its fourth album, 1992's Utopia Banished, with which it finally settled on a roster that would be maintained until 2006, when guitarist Jesse Pintado, also famous for his work with grindcore band Terrorizer, passed away. The band's other members, all of whom remain in Napalm Death to this day, are Barney Greenway, vocals, Shane Embry, bass, Mitch Harris, guitar, no relation to Mick, and Danny Herrera, drums. This definitive version of Napalm Death has been amazingly stable, remaining highly potent even now. Napalm Death is proof that a band can maintain its artistic integrity and continue to be successful for decades. Needless to say, Napalm Death inspired scores of other grind bands. Prime examples include Extreme Noise Terror, Brutal Truth, Discordance, Axis, Bruharia, Insect Warfare, Nasm, Gridlink, and Agoraphobic Nosebleed. Grind even sprouted its own subgenres. Bands like Genghis Tron helped birth Cybergrind by incorporating elements of electronic music. Porno Grind, exemplified by bands like Gut, Cock and Ball Torture, and Triple X, Maniac, is a version of the form devoted entirely to sexual lyrics so explicit and filthy they'd make the Marquis de Sade blush, and Power Violence differentiates from Grindcore in such a way that only super-duper ultra-elite experts can possibly explain. There are no rock stars in Grindcore. The bands record and perform when they're able, and can often afford to remain creatively uncompromising because they don't earn their living from the music. Grindcore is the very personification of purity. After 1988's From Enslavement to Obliteration, Bill Steer left Napalm Death to concentrate on Carcass. His band with drummer Ken Owen and bassist vocalist Jeff Walker, who had created the album artwork for Scum. Despite the association between the two bands, Carcass is a decidedly different beast from Napalm Death. For one thing, as you can probably guess from track titles like Vomited Anal Track and Fermenting Innards, Carcass is not political. More importantly, Carcass helped to create melodic death metal, a subgenre that's not quite as oxymoronic as one might assume. As personified on albums like Necrotism, Discanting the Insalubrious, and Heartwork, Carcass's music at its best isn't just heavy and nefarious, it's cinematic, majestic, and catchy as flypaper. Or, Put more simply, your mom will hate Carcass songs as much as she hates Napalm Death songs, but at least she'll recognize Carcass songs as songs. But there can be too much of a good thing. In 1996, Carcass signed to a major label, Columbia, and recorded Swan Song, an album many fans regard as being overly cutesy. The lead single was called Keep On Rotting in the Free World unsatisfyingly poppy. The band butted heads with Columbia, 
and ultimately released the album through its original far, far more metal-friendly label, Earache, probably did not help Swan Song's reception. Swan Song thus ended up being pretty much the most accurate title imaginable. Following its release, Carcass broke up for more than 20 years. The band reunited in 2008 and in 2013 released Surgical Steel, which was considered a return to form and a true follow-up to Necrotism and Heartwork. Incidentally, Carcass also has the greatest song titles ever imagined. These include Mucopurulence Extrator, Empathological Necroticism, and Lavaging Expectorate of Lysergeride Composition. This band is responsible for more teener, teenagers learning SAT words than Kaplan and the Princeton Review combined. It was Sweden ultimately that perfected Mellow Death. The country's initial not very melodic death metal scene included bands like Entombed, Grave, Dismember, Unleash, and Dissection, who turned their guitars way, way down and filtered them through various distortion pedals with their settings turned way, way up. The result was the creation of buzzsaw guitars, so named because they sound like they can cut down redwoods. The tenor of Swedish death metal scene began to change in 1993 with Entomb's third release, Wolverine Blues. The album grafted death metal guitars and vocals onto the frames of more traditional, Motorhead-style hard rock songs, resulting in death and roll. This new direction opened the door for death metal to take advantage of rock and even pop styles, like Necroticism, Wolverine Blues, foreshadowed the arrival of Swedish Mellow Death. That subgenre, as we know, it arrived in the form of groups like Dark Tranquility, At the Gates, Soil Work, and In Flames, each of whom formed in or near the city of Gothenburg shortly before the release of Necrotism. Right around the time Carcass broke up, these bands were releasing the records that truly cemented Mellow Death's place in the metal establishment, doubling down on Carcass's sense of euphony and grandiosity to a fantastic end. Their impact on metal in the 21st century has been tremendous. This is especially true of At The Gates' 1995 classic, Slaughter of the Soul, which is a perfect Mellow Death album. Unlike its peers, however, At The Gates did not find much commercial success in the 90s, in fact. The band broke up less than a year after Slaughter of the Soul's release. Some of the band's members went on to find acclaim with other projects, including The Haunted, Disfear, and Lockup. Luckily, Slaughter of the Soul would come to be appreciated roughly a decade after it came out, thanks to its clear influence on the new wave of heavy of American heavy metal bands, including names such as Darkest Hour <coughs> and Killswitch Engage. Like Carcass, At The Gates reformed after many years in 2008 and released an acclaimed reunion album, At War With Reality, in 2014. Although Swedish metal is best known for its mellow death, its most singular export plays metal on an altogether different kind. 
Meshuggah from Yumia takes its name from the Hebrew word for crazy. The moniker is apt. Meshuggah's music is often polyrhythmic. For example, if drummer Tomas Haka is playing in a standard 4-4 time signature, guitarist Frederick Thorndahl and Martin Hagstrom are likely playing in 17-16ths. It is also frequently polymetered, and the tempos change on a dime. The results are a cubist jostling of death metal, prog, and jazz. Musicians across all genres understanding the complexity of Meshuggah's compositions and the level of skill it takes to reform their music are the fastest to recognize the Swede's brilliance. For non-musicians, appreciating Meshuggah on anything other than an academic level may take some work, but the work is worth it. And like At The Gates, Meshuggah would eventually spawn an entire movement, also single-handedly. Meshuggah is about as close to a universally respected institution as metal has. While some bands continue to push death metal in a new, increasingly melodic and technical direction, others began to boil the genre down to its bare essentials. Bands like Internal Bleeding and Pyrexia sounded as though they'd listened to suffocation and decided that shit was just too complicated. They piled breakdowns upon breakdowns and somehow managed to make death metal vocals even less intelligible, ostensibly offering gurgles that imitate Montezuma's revenge. This form of death metal took on the apropos name Slam. Dying Fetus from Maryland represents Slam's pinnacle. Its music slams harder than any skydiver with a defective parachute. What sets Dying Fetus apart from other slam bands is its members, talent as songwriters, the riffs on their third album, 2000s destroy the opposition, latch onto the memory like a parasite, demanding repeat listens. Dying Fetus is fun to listen to, even when you're not moshing with concussion-inducing force. Today, death metal and grindcore continue to develop. Acts like the Black Dahlia Murder and Arsis fly the flag for traditional death metal, while groups such as Fuck the Facts, Magruder Grind, Warm Rot, and Maruda keep the grindcore nightmare alive. But some bands, including Misery Index, Cattle Decapitation, and Cephalic Carnage, have amalgamated the genres. For these groups, the line between death and grind is invisible. This is probably very convenient for your mom, who can't tell brutal truth from Bolt Thrower anyway. If you're out there and have a band, I should show you how to get the greatest guitar sound ever, which is that classic Swedish death metal guitar sound. Start with, you should have a Gibson guitar, they're probably the, the best ones for, for getting the really fat sound. And you need to have the, the boss have a metal pedal. And don't try this with a metal zone pedal, because metal zone pedals, they just suck. This is the, the only one that works. They have never been able to come up with another pedal that works for the really f super fat guitar sound. So you need to get one of these, and they can be pretty hard to get now, because uh, all the guitarists of Entombed and Dismember, they collect these. They have like 20 each, just for, you can't get them anymore. So. But you have to find one of these, 
and then these levels must all be turned max 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 all to 11 basically and you turn it on and the guitar sounds by itself and then it gets this super fat sound and that's the way you do it Swedish death metal Alright, for your death metal starter kit, are you ready to bleed? You will need long sleeve t-shirt with illegible band logo, black. Cargo shorts, black or camo. Low top sneakers, black. Chain wallet. Faces of Death VHS tape. Subscription to World of Warcraft. Pizza pie, large. Mountain Dew, 2 liter bottle. Pepto-Bismol, 8 ounce. Deodorant, zero ounce. Your homework for death metal listening. Track one, Possessed. With the track Pentagram from Seven Churches, 1985. Death, Spiritual Healing from Spiritual Healing, 1990. Internal Bleeding from Obituary off Slowly We Rot. Number four, Immortal Rites by Morbid Angel on Altars of Madness, 1989. Driven to Insanity by Repulsion from Horrified, 1989. Dead by Dawn by Deicide off the self-titled Deicide, 1990. Left Hand Path from Entombed off, self off the album Left Hand Path in 1990. Infecting the Crips by Suffocation off of Effigy of the Forgotten, 1991. Corporal Jigsaw Quandary from Carcass off ne Necrotism, Descanting the Insalubrious, 1991. Those Left Behind by Immolation off Dawn of Possession, 1991. Track 11, What Dwells With by Bolt Thrower off of War Master, 1991. Twisted Mass of Burnt Decay by Entombed, off of Mental Funeral, 1991. Hammer Smashed Face by Cannibal Corpse, off of Tomb of the Mutilated, 1992. The Erosion of Sanity by Gorguts, The Erosion of Sanity, 1993. Track 15, Slaughter of the Soul, off of Slaughter of the Soul, 1995, by At the Gates. Future Breed Machine by Meshuggah off of Destroy, Erase, Improve from 1995. Graves of the Fathers by Cryptopsy, None So Vile, 1996. Praise the Lord, Opium of the Masses by Dying Fetus off of Destroy the Opposition, 2000. Bullet Ride by In Flames off of Clayman, 2000. Six Pounder by Children of Bodom, R.I.P. Alexi Lyo, off of Hate Crew Death Roll, 2003. Masturbating the War God by Nile, off of Black Seeds of Vengeance, 2000. Spheres of Madness by The Decapitated, off of Nihility, 2002. Stab Wound, one of the most intense songs you will ever hear, by the band Necrophagus, off their album Epitaph, 2004, I'm Charming by the Black Dahlia Murder, off the album Miasma in 2005, Ancient Covenant by the Faceless, 
off of Planetary Duality, 2008. We Be Helpless by Extreme Noise Terror, A Holocaust in Your Head, 1989. Suffer the Children by Napalm Death, off the album Harmony Corruption, 1990. Denial of Existence by Brutal Truth. <coughs> Excuse me. Off of the album Extreme Conditions Demand Extreme Responses, in 1994. Piss Angel by Pig Destroyer. Off of Prowler in the Yard, 2001. And Kill Theme for American Ape Shit by Agoraphobic Nosebleed from their album Frozen Corpse Stuffed with Dope from 2002. Alright ladies and gentlemen, this concludes this edition of the Monster Reads Hellraisers. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. hope you enjoyed hearing about the genre known as the Mighty Death Metal. And I hope you will join me for the next segment of the Monster Reads Hellraisers when we cover chapter 666 on Black Metal. Thanks, listeners.